0: NetApp Insight is done, but there was another conference that happened last week, DockerCon. Join us as we talk to Garrett Mueller and Jonathan Rippey about what they thought of DockerCon and where they see Docker going. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I
1: love NetApp. Oh, 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 yeah.
0: Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. I am Justin Parisi and sitting next to me is... Glenn Sizemore? Glenn Sizemore, that is correct. How you doing, <laughs> Justin? You, you got it right. I'm, I'm surprised. I did. I did. I we, we've actually done this th- several times and he's gotten it wrong
2: every other time, but this time he got it right. Yeah. This,
1: you th- know, you, this you one said time. that like you had a Glenn greeting... He did. Um, it, that
0: was his own Glen greeting. It was yeah, very meta.
2: I, I couldn't figure out if he was going to hit play on that soundboard or if I had to do something. So I just, I, I, I just said go. And I, have, I
0: have not figured out the Glen greeting part yet. Once I figure that out, we will bring that back <laughs> in honor of Pete Fletcher. Oh, man. Andrew, how you doing, bud?
1: I'm doing good. You know, another week, another six time zones. So uh, fully rested, fully restored, feeling great after a fantastic insight.
0: If you're wondering why you can actually hear Andrew today, it's because he's on Skype. Yeah.
1: I am. I, I have a different microphone than usual. One that uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's more sensitive. I don't have to worry as much about you know shouting and the other microphones in the studio. They're picking it up. But uh, I'm glad that I can be heard today.
0: I think from now on we're just going to have to make him do this by Skype.
2: Yeah, yeah. We're going to have to put a second PC in the yeah. studio, yeah. and he'll just Skype in from the studio to the studio. That's right. All right, uh, Andrew. I need you to get on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that, but that eliminates my favorite part of the podcast, and that's watching Glenn.
2: You have to fiddle with the board to keep it so people can hear you. <laughs> but you'll still be here. You'll be on a PC. I can still fiddle with the board. I mean, you, you can randomly move around the mic if you choose to.
1: What was it uh, Dave Hitz was saying during the keynote where when he met with Edward Snowden and Edward had the, uh, the virtual presence like Sheldon from... Uh, from yeah, the oh, big yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We could so make cool. it a, uh, a Skype container. Speaking of containers, today's show
2: is all about DockerCon. It is all about Dockercom. We've got a I, – I, I'm hesitant to say holiday special because it's a holiday in the United States, but the vast majority of the world doesn't care about us trading fish for, for corn. Yeah. Or, yeah. Yeah. It's also just kind of a really weird, like, holiday. Let's celebrate. It's just weird. It's yeah. mostly
0: about, hey, how many cool deals am I going to get in Black Friday?
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of – Yeah.
1: And I, don't forget and eating yourself stupid on turkey.
0: Yes, and then arguing with your relatives.
2: I, I approve of the eating yourself stupid on turkey part. The rest of it, though, I could do without. I plan on just sitting there with an IV of gravy. Okay. I can get behind that. Yeah. I've I've lost some weight recently. I'm looking to find it. <laughs> just find it. I think you'll find it on Thursday. Uh, w- let's hope. All right. So uh, it, short week here at NetApp, uh, for, for or at least in NetApp U.S., uh, for the U.S. holiday. Uh, so we're grabbing this one kind of early in the week. Uh, we're probably going to publish early in the week. So if this popped in your feed uh, a little sooner than you, you're used to, uh, that's why. But uh, we'd like to just wish everybody a, a holiday and, and safe travels if you're here in the U.S. I know I personally am going to be somewhere on 95 heading towards family. Uh, here in a couple of days. So just be safe out there, and and don't be in too much of a rush. And if you're interested, we've got a recap on Docker. Excellent. Let's get those guys in. What do you say,
3: Justin? That sounds great.
0: All right, I'm sitting here with Garrett Mueller, uh, TD at NetApp, Technical Director, that is. Uh, Garrett, tell us a little bit about what you're working on these days.
3: Yeah, so Justin, I spend about, I don't know, 99% of my time these days on uh, containers, and uh, NetApp's strategy around uh, the container ecosystem, including things like how are we going to use them internally how are we going to uh, y- use them with our own applications and our own uh, pieces of software and how are also we going to you know integrate our capabilities with the expanding container ecosystem yeah
2: you uh, you know Garrett, of course we had you on a couple episodes ago you know we were talking about DevOps uh, and continuous integration and we, we touched on a lot of the things that uh, that, that we were doing inside NetApp uh, but you know, we were coming off Insight last week. You know, we had a great event uh, and, and lots and lots of audio out there. You listeners, if, if you want to know how we feel about Insight, uh, we published a ridiculous amount of content last week. Uh, but, but while we were busy in Berlin, there was another team that, that we flew to JFK with and then that other team went to a different location and, and from what I could tell, just spent the entire week punking Andrew, sending him photos of beautiful Barcelona in Slack. <laughs> uh, and, and we just wanted to get that team in here. So joining Garrett and uh, uh, leading uh, our container team uh, here in NetApp uh, is one of our rock star developers, long-term NetApp guy, uh, Jonathan Rippy. John, how you doing?
4: Good. Uh, thanks, Glenn. Yeah, it's great to be here.
2: So uh, give us a little bit of background. Uh, how long have you been with NetApp? Because you, you, you're a hardcore dev, man. You, yeah. you live in the weeds and and build systems for a living.
4: Yeah, I joined NetApp uh, back in 2004 originally. Yeah. So I've been here almost a little over 10 years, almost 11 years.
2: Yeah, yeah. 11 years on site and and mostly off-tap products, like the the Snap Centers and, and the Snap yeah. and all and all yeah. that fun jazz, VSCs.
4: Yeah. yeah, I've worked on Snap Manager for Oracle, Snap Manager for SAP. I've worked on um, Snap Creator. I've worked on our, our virtual storage console, VSE. Uh, I think I have already said Snap Creator. Snap Center. I've worked on many of our products. And yeah. today you are? Working on Docker. Woo! Yeah. And our container. Yeah,
1: I, I have ahead. to say that one of uh, Rippy's most infamous uh, side projects is, is his watch, actually.
4: Yeah, yeah. Actually, Glenn, do you know what time it is? Yeah, here you can look at my watch. What is it? It's it's Docker time, actually. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> You've got a Docker whale on it's your pretty, watch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, So in between DockerCon US and DockerCon EU, I uh, got a, got my first smartwatch, which was a Pebble, and it's very easy to code for it. So, you know, celebration of DockerCon EU and my first trip to Europe, which was amazing. I uh, made a DockerCon uh, watch face for my Pebble.
3: And there's a lot more to that story. So, at the conference, he that watch around to probably everybody he could possibly find, yeah, including people that worked for Docker, including people that founded Docker. Yes, Solomon <laughs> liked it. Solomon <laughs> so, was a big fan, and and uh, they were loving it so much that they tweeted about it. I think it was trending more than DockerCon itself at
1: one the, point. Maybe I, I don't know I, about that's, that. I'm,
4: I'm that, gonna hold to that in my heart. It was.
1: <laughs> so, so wait, how did you get into a push-up contest with Solomon? Then Rippy.
4: Uh, oh, so um, you know, I'm a huge fan of Docker. In case people don't know that, but um, uh, given that I wrote the watch, but the watch face, but um. Yeah, I'm also a big fan of, you know, a lot of the things they, they're doing and what they announced at DockerCon US, uh, Creu. And, uh, and while showing Solomon my watch, I was also telling him how much a fan I was and how excited I was for Creu, which is their checkpoint restore, which allows you to take a Docker container and um, move it to another host. Um, and he's like, well, that guy over there is the Cri-U, uh, the Creu lead, and he's doing push-ups. He's apparently in a push-up contest. <laughs> so you're so, like, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna yeah, go join this yeah, guy. I'll, I'll go meet him and do push-ups. Okay. So yeah, I think he did about 20, and I did 50. So yeah, I was trying to represent that app. I I see that. Yeah. I don't I don't uh note to self, don't get in a push-up yeah. contest
0: with yeah. Rippy. That's yeah. definitely true. I think I did true. 10 yeah. in my entire lifetime. So,
2: I'm good. Yeah. So, so is 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 that the is that the background story around Docker Time or or is Docker Time an actual product that I am unaware of? No,
4: Docker Time is just the watch. That's the background that, story. That, that is watch. awesome. Yeah. So,
2: so I need an Apple Watch version of that, please. Yeah, you know, maybe just, maybe we can know, do that. Yeah
4: people who actually know how to write code <laughs> other than PowerShell, <laughs> which is my <laughs> talent. Yeah, and, and while it is a funny story, it also speaks to the community and, and to Docker themselves as a company. They are an amazing company. Um, the products they put out, the new features they're coming up with, and the people, both in Docker and the people that, that use Docker, it, it's just an amazing community, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. I've been using Docker myself for uh, almost since the beginning, so about two and a half years or so. I use it first for my own development internally and then um, started looking at prototypes for things we could do with it. And it's just, it, it's great conference. If, if anybody's thinking about whether they should go, definitely go. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I will totally give you credit, man. You were the first person I ever heard say the word docker ever on planet Earth. <laughs> and at the time, I yeah. was like, okay, whatever. This is like go and just some some weird technology that, that is never actually going to touch me. Yeah. Uh, and then lo and behold, we get down to the weeds and it's like, no, no. He just found this super neat way of doing stuff, and it's totally going to impact everybody. Yeah. Um, With that, we should probably actually get into this conversation. What do you say, Justin? What were we
1: talking about again?
2: Uh, I think there was an event at the same time that you and I were delirious in Berlin. Oh, yeah.
3: DockerCon. Yeah,
2: Yeah, when we
1: were enjoying all that rain and cold, windy weather.
3: By the way, how was the weather in Barcelona? Uh, It was awful. I think it was like 65 degrees every day and sunny. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. is awful. That was yeah. Just we totally won.
2: 42 degrees and rainy. <laughs> yep. L- a yeah.
0: little bit of clouds every now and then. <laughs> At least yeah. they so thi- were both consistent.
2: <laughs> right. So this was uh <laughs> 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 It's true. It's true. That is actually a good point. Yeah. Um, so this was the third DockerCon that we've had, correct? Uh, two or
3: three? It's the third one that they've had. It's okay. the second one that we've sponsored.
2: Ah, okay. Right. Yes. Right.
4: So DockerCon the third, Docker Harder. Yes. Yep. How was the show, guys? It, it, it was great. Um, actually, we were there both as uh, attendees going to sessions and both um, at, as a company showing uh, we had a booth there. And we were uh, demonstrating what NetApp can bring to the Docker uh, world. Yeah, this, They're
3: kind of two big firsts for NetApp there. One was that we had a booth. Uh, we had gold sponsorship, so it was actually a fairly large booth. The other thing is that we actually were able to bring the almost the entire team to uh, to the conference uh, We had a team, <laughs> I guess is the other big bit that happened in between uh, the last conference and this one so um, that was really exciting for to be able to pull together all of our resources to be able to dedicate people to getting our message out at the same time that we were able to be able to understand everyone else's was uh, was was especially good for us um, Unfortunately, I missed Sully, yeah, we stole him yeah. yeah. He got uh, taken away from us. Trust me, he would rather have been with you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
0: By all accounts, he said he had way more fun in forty-two degrees and rainy Berlin. Yeah, uh,
3: yeah.
1: No, d- Dr. Con is a lot of fun, but uh, it was good that at least one of us was at Insight. Uh, it, it was had great response to the sessions that we had there. Uh, you know, the Inform and Delight had a lot of good people there, so. I won't complain about being in rainy and cold Berlin. I yeah.
2: think I, I think we got better food and beer as someone who spent a lot the of time. The bright side on, is we were inside say. most of the time. That's good. This, so. this is very true. So, uh, Garrett, we, we actually – we touched on this a little bit. So when you say that the, the containers team, uh, as I understand it, you actually are referring to more than just the Barnacle core team that we talked about last time you were here. Can can you share – or are you allowed to share a little bit more about that?
3: Uh. Somewhat. I mean, the the so the the container team I'm talking to, I guess, yeah. is 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 broader than than that. I mean, we've gotten, you know, barnacle team that I run is yeah. is a, a smaller core team that is more or less dedicated to this effort, right? And then we actually branch off into lots of different teams outside the outside of our group to be able to help us with different initiatives. Uh, one of them, for example, that we'll talk about in a little bit more detail in a minute is the, uh, the building internal services that allow internal internal use of docker and containers uh for engineering and for uh other use cases so that you know we're not just trying to figure out how do we provide this kind of environment for persistent storage to other companies you know to other companies that are trying to put this together but we need to use it ourselves yeah to take advantage of all these efficiencies
2: well not only that not not only just the like the, great point mm-hmm. right like there's, there's a better way to do this. We don't need to spend so much time spinning and waiting for things to load and copy. You know Things that, that, that are capable to be ran inside this framework can be instant, and that's amazing. Uh, but, but then there's also the, the vetting side of it, right? Like The only way you truly know something's ready is if you go ahead and say, all right, well, let's do this ourselves. Let's, yeah. let's take Flocker and go <laughs> convert some of our front-end front facing services and, and make sure that this thing's truly going to work. So that when we show up at that Fortune 10 and go, by the way, we know how to make containers work at true scale with real persistent storage on the back end, you know, we can at least point to our own implementation as Listen, we're at the, we're, this is the tip of the spear, so there's not a ton of examples
3: out there, but we can give you ours. Absolutely. In fact, we've got some really interesting use cases that I can't quite talk about just yet. Okay. but That I think we'll be able to talk about over the next six months or so to show how we're actually taking some of our advanced requirements internally and putting them on top of a containers ecosystem that we've built using the unique integrations that we're going to be able to build on top of it and iterating over that very quickly.
2: Okay, I tried, listeners. I tried. And we're going to have to pull them back in after DockerCon the fourth uh, <laughs> and see if we could share more. It's yeah. a tough nut to crack, that one. <laughs> so, Rippy, uh, from, from your perspective, you know, you've been pretty much living full-time inside this ecosystem for uh, a good four months now. You know, f- how was it for you to go to DockerCon and, and get to interact with, with all those developers, quite frankly?
4: Yeah, it was great. So, um, yeah, I went to DockerCon US and now DockerCon EU, Um but before that, I didn't have a lot of people that, that that knew about Docker more than just hearing me say Docker's awesome and I love it and it's amazing and you should use it. So it's a running joke that uh, that I try to suck everyone into doing Docker, and I, so far I'm succeeding. So this is great. Um, the uh, it both uh, there was a few I think there was a few sessions that were similar, um, and and again the, when when um, Sully and I went to DockerCon US. We were there mainly to uh, watch the sessions. We were a partner, but we didn't have a booth. Yeah. So we would, would go around and see all the booths. But this time, we actually had a booth. And I was working in our booth and able to see a few uh, of the sessions. So um, I, I saw one on use cases from Uber. I saw one on some of the new security uh, features they're adding. So for instance, um, Docker Hub is adding the ability to scan for vulnerabilities uh, and look for vulnerabilities in your uh, images that are, that are already out there. And uh, they, will, they will alert people. Um,
3: they call that Project Nautilus, which by the way, I was using for an internal name for one of our projects yeah so i 'm a little bit upset at docker about so that. They,
0: so they scan for stuff like heart and all that good stuff the, yeah i 'm sure that's
3: it 's actually more than that I think I mean they did talk about that it, it was it was you can kind of think of it like virus scan, but and then some so it 's more like uh, using advanced techniques to try to figure out you know if there is a vulnerability that they hadn 't actually codified, but you know it looks like something that would be a problem in an image, especially on uh, the public hub.
0: Are okay. they are they looking to integrate patch services with that? Like you know, patching the actual containers, like being able to integrate with a patching service of some sort, or I didn't
3: hear anything about
2: that.
4: No, and I think in the Docker world, I, I don't know that you would necessarily patch one that's yeah, already you, running. You would just spin right. up a
2: new one with a fix. Yeah. yeah, that's kind of that core fundamental shift. Yeah, right. You know, do you, it, that makes sense. Yeah, it's build yeah.
0: A, build a new one, and then just start over. Yeah, yeah, you
2: don't you don't put a bandaid on a on a. Hurt puppy, but you, you gotta you gotta you patch shoot the, the base image, right? I mean, you, you
0: you're gonna spin it up, but if you're gonna spin it up, you have to have it patched before you spin it up, right? I mean, you don't want to just keep spinning
3: up the same one over and over again, right? Well, you're, you're, you're you'll derive from a new a new version of the right, other one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Can we take a time out briefly? Because I'm dying over here with Glenn's analogy about shooting puppies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I'm just trying to see how many different ways we can come up to to you and I can come up with saying you know chickens and pets. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even. Uh, I, I even forgot yeah. that he said that.
0: Yeah, I put that. Dude, on, I think I
3: had dude, blocked dude, it out. I, I, was, yeah. I was. I was. I was Too much on what I was going to say next. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he snuck that in there.
2: I drove. I drove Andrew straight into the ditch. It's what I do.
1: I, I heard that and just burst out laughing. And yeah, sorry.
2: <laughs> it's been six months since we've had one of these these events, and and the big the big splash that made it to my eyes, uh, in Berlin was the universal control panel or plane, whatever they've. That I don't actually know the actual product name. I just know that I was getting ready to speak, and I went on Twitter to be like, "Hey, I'll be in Hall B." And my entire feed was just like people going, "Oh my God, face melt! I don't this. Th- I t- can't comprehend <laughs> fifty thousand and one. I don't get it. Um, can can you?" When I asked before, Garrett actually knew what it was. (laughs) So I wanted. Perhaps you can share this information with the rest of the world, who's utterly confused.
3: I I know the way that they described it. So I'll take that. And 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 the way that they described it is, they actually have two different paths. They have the cloud path, and they have the on-premise path. The CloudPath uses the public Docker Hub and Tudem, their new acquisition, right, in order to provide a container as a service platform. And they have a separate path that they're trying to build internally, which incorporates the Docker Trusted Registry and then what they're calling the Universal Control Plane, which is kind of the Tudem equivalent on the inside, right? And basically to give you the management, monitoring, the kinds of things you would expect from a from a platform that's managing containers internally. Right, and so that they're trying to do do a they're trying to build a native version of that that they can uh, that they can charge for, right? And so that's that's part of their their, their plan to make money. I, I <laughs> right? seem
0: to remember the the booth at VMworld having something similar to that on demo. Was mm. that was like the, that their GUI based management console? They
3: had something called Project Orca. Yeah, yeah, and and this is an evolution of that. Okay. Yes.
2: I just know they have the coolest product project names. I just never know what any of them do. <laughs> <laughs> like they're all named amazing. Yeah. Uh, whoever's coming up with these names, they're doing an awesome job. Well, they got
3: a great theme going with the whole nautil- naut- the nautical theme going on, right? So they got a lot they can, they can pull from.
2: Uh, That's actually a good point.
0: My kid loves the logo. He wonders why there's blocks on a whale's head, though. He doesn't understand that.
4: Yeah, that's... that's I haven't haven't
0: introduced him to (laughs) containers yet. He's two. Mm. So I'm still working on, you know, I don't know, peeing in the potty.
4: Yeah, maybe one one more year you can get him.
3: Yeah, because I've totally done it already. Because one thing they announced, which is a a great way to actually get them over the hump, is uh, they announced a a new technology called Dockercraft. Which is effectively managing Docker containers with Minecraft. That's oh pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. No, and it was on. a great demo. No, that's <laughs> pretty cool actually. That that that's
2: like a gateway drug for the children. Yeah. W- 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 First <laughs> container <laughs> taste is free. So, so okay, yeah. Welcome to it thirty five thirty five. Where's your eight year old
3: who's going to manage your container infrastructure? <laughs> we need someone to play this Minecraft. See, right. son, this pot is, is like, a container. <laughs> this is either like hackers or Tron or something, you know. So basically, what it ends up happening is you're. I mean, and they've done this before. I mean, not Docker, but what Doom? Yeah, yeah Doom. You know, failover, and all, yeah, all that kind of stuff. Everybody's trying. You know, and it, it is really gimmicky. <laughs> right? It is, but it gets but, people interested. Yeah, it's cool. And and in fact, they showed. Uh, is kind of this world that they start to build out and they start a new container and it shows up as a container in the world, right? That they can walk inside and flip on and off and destroy from the inside. And they actually did a
4: multiplayer demo, which is really cool. They did. And also the... um, Minecraft has slash commands, like you can do, like, uh, my, um, they're escaping me now. There are slash commands, and they added slash docker, so you could do slash docker space run. So you could actually run the commit, the CLI from within Minecraft as well. There That's is only cool. slash pizza. The rest it's are not valid. only slash pizza, yeah. Yes. <laughs> slash giphy.
2: Yeah.
3: So I, I just have to talk about how they ended DockerCon. Okay. Right? So the last session, because Rippy's here. Yeah. Um, so Rippy's kind of known as, like, he just geeks out over, over things that he should everybody should be geeking out about, but they just don't know it yet, like Docker, for example, right? And uh, so they ended with three things. The first thing they showed was basically uh, kind of the next generation of Kriyu, right? Mm-hmm. So so a checkpoint restore-like mechanism to be move containers around, right? The second thing they showed is, uh, is unikernels. So the ability to kind of like cl- uh, carefully compose a kernel and run it in such a way that it's Almost as small as a container and it has only exactly what you need in order to run your application and nothing more. Yeah. So it has a smaller attack surface, it's a much smaller image, that kind of thing. Much smaller than just the container itself? Where no, no, no. It doesn't get as small as like uh as just a container, but it 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 gets the advantages of of, of being able to have a kernel of its own. It's the, So you don't have to pull down the image and, and load it up before you actually build out your container, right? Right. It can be virtualized too and right. things yeah. like that, right? So you should look it up, unikernels, definitely. Okay. So it's another thing to geek out about that we yeah. need to figure out,
0: right? Are there rainbows <laughs> with the unikernel?
3: <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. Yes,
2: <laughs> Rainbow Unikitty, uni-kitty Unikernels. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Rainbow Unikitty, I approve of. Yeah. It's the unicorns I don't and want the,
3: And the third one was Dockercraft. Yes. And so for you have to understand for Rippy, this was like it was amazing. nerdgasm. It I mean, was. It was <laughs> like uh, I I I I you know, I wasn't sitting next to him in the session because he was somewhere else and so we got lost yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And I just I I was I saw him on Slack, I was like Rippy. And all I said was Rippy. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of. it
4: was great. I was, I was blown away, man. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great way to end. Uh, it's
3: almost as if he had talked to them in advance, and they had made it just right
4: Yeah, I think my tweet was uh, Docker. You know the way to my containerized heart. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> that, so that's the thing that everyone keeps saying
2: about Docker, and and uh, I actually think it's an accurate statement. Is that the thing that makes this Docker swing different is it's not the IT guys, and it's not the infrastructure team. And it's not the biz dev team. It is the developers coming up out of the basement going, this thing's cool and we're having fun and, yeah. <laughs> and marching down the street. You know, it's, it's a very different uh, vibe, quite frankly, than, let's say, the OpenStack community, which is very much the same community. And it's ran very similarly. Mm-hmm. You know, those are both open source projects. They live under, under the light of, of, you know, sunlight. You know, it's not a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. It's it's all done in the light of day. Uh, but there's just this energy around the Docker
4: ecosystem that that doesn't exist
2: in those alternate well, places. Yeah, I've
4: jokingly called it, like, DevOps versus OpsDev. Like, OpenStack is more like OpsDev, with more of an emphasis on operations and, and dev is more, you know... Less emphasized, where Docker is more DevOps. So it's just, you
0: know. Well, not, not just that. I feel like Docker as a company embraces that fun. They don't deny it. There's oh, no, they totally like, hey, do. Yeah. enjoy this. This is fun. This is going to be good also, but it's going to be fun. Yeah.
2: You know, I, I'm going to go ahead and admit something. I don't know if that's an actual, you know, term. I've never heard that before, DevOps versus ops Dev, but I'm totally going to steal that. Steal it, man. Because uh, I'm an Ops Dev guy. Yeah. Like, I I am what I am. Yeah, right? yeah. likewise this is this is the the conversation yeah exactly <laughs> i am what i am yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the this has been a bit of a journey for me personally uh that started back when we had val on here and he told me to go read his book developers of the new Kingmakers," and i did that uh and then we went and had a whole ton of customer conversations and you know what i i th- i think there's a reason that it's DevOps, and I need to start thinking about it from that perspective, not the, how are we going to run this thing in production, but how are we going to make it easy for them to build it in the first place? You know, we, we can run it in production. We'll figure that part out. Yeah. But it's the,
4: does it get made part that, that we're not spending enough time thinking about. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if anyone's ever coined that term before, but that's what I, you know, I realized that one day, so then that helped me explain it to people very quickly, like ops dev versus DevOps, people just got it, so yeah, I kind of stuck with it.
2: See, Andrew, this is why Andrew keeps talking about making you a TME. And I keep <laughs> looking at it going, yeah, but he's so
4: good at the writing
0: of the code. <laughs> that doesn't mean he can't do
3: both. Oh, yeah. yeah. In fact, uh, if you look at what Docker's trying to do, they, they, they're they actually trying to marry those two universes, right, where they can actually, you know, evangelize what they're doing. At the same time, they're all a bunch of, you know, geek developers that are trying to, you know, uh, make what they call, I thought was really cool, they, the way they described the vision, the way Solomon described the vision at the beginning, <clears throat> I hadn't heard before. Maybe he did it at DockerCon US too, but it was a uh, programmable internet. That's what he's looking for. Right. Mm. And so everything that they're doing is designed to be able to to get to the point where they can touch anything that's connected to the internet anywhere
4: using a very using the same interfaces that they would do anywhere else. Right. It, and that's kind of foreshadowing for the unikernels thing, mm-hmm. which can be used on the Internet of Thing devices. And that's right. one reason you would do that. And then they also demonstrated being able to use Docker Run to spin up unikernels and containers. So, mm-hmm. again, to your point, mm-hmm. Docker being able, being one way to unify the whole world. I mean, right. or, or, y- and they talked about things like native ARM support. Aspirationally. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, as well. I mean, all these things.
2: See, that's where it starts to get a little confusing for me, like the whole unikernel move and, and like, moving to ARM. Like, I get Docker or at least I think I get Docker, right? We're going to simplify the consumption of these services so that you don't need to think about it, and it's not part of your workflow. You've got one command with with five possible switches, and, and that's your gateway to, to access the infrastructure. And that's how you get whatever you need, and you do everything yourself through self-service, runtime. And if you want to integrate it into your build system, you can do that because everything's got an API, and it's all well-documented. That part I get. But the minute they start actually, like, stepping into the actual front end of the app and going, by the way, here's our kernel. Perhaps you should write your app on our kernel instead of just, you know, building a generic container and using our management layer, uh, that... I have I don't have my I don't have my head wrapped around that yet. But oh, so we, so I, I, sh- I should be it. a little clear. Unikernels kernels yeah. didn't come from Docker. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah.
0: yeah. Right. that There's was actually... stripped down kernels. Yeah. They're like just basically like we're streamlining the process. so You don't have to pull
3: down this entire kernel. Well, yeah, even the person that actually did the talk wasn't a Docker person. Oh, okay. Yeah, he was just kind of saying, "Here's this cool thing I did." And so these are these three things were all three cool things. Only the Dockercraft thing I think was Docker themselves. Yeah. I'm oh, gonna... that
2: makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, We're this... going to Barcelona. What are we showing? We're going to manage Docker from within Minecraft. Yes. Yeah. This, this isn't Ooh. Amazon
0: creating their own kernel, right? This yeah. is Docker just, you know, allowing the community to
3: bring new enhancements to their own product. But you do uh, bring okay. up a good point. Yeah. You do. Um, there is a little bit of a land grab going on here. Yeah. Uh, Docker is trying to figure out where does my influence end and where do do, do I expect the ecosystem to, to take over? Right. And that, that interface is evolving all the time to the point where there are companies right now that are sitting in a place that I would not, I'm not going to name any names, but are sitting in a place that, that, you could say have been eclipsed by what Docker is just doing natively, right? And maybe they can provide some value add, maybe they can't, uh, you know, but how, how long is that going to continue? Right now we're also in a place where there's all these different orchestrators, right? There's Swarm, there's uh, there's Kubernetes, there's Mesos and Marathon and, and all these different kinds of technologies that are, in a lot of ways, trying to do very similar things. Right, uh, maybe to different extremes, maybe with different capabilities. Is there room for all of these things? And so these are the kinds of questions that are really up in the air. And as people were milling milling about at the uh, at the conference, I heard that kind of
4: conversation a lot. It's like, wow, that's this is I like v- kind of saw that like
3: VHS and Betamax,
0: right? Who's gonna Who's gonna land? Yeah, right. which yeah. one's gonna land?
4: And a lot of people were asking for advice, like, which one should I choose? You know, mm-hmm. and um, there are people do have presentations. Actually, should mention that. Um, in another week or two, they'll probably have the slides up and the videos up. So I think the YouTube playlist is going to be like Dr. Connie u twenty fifteen, so you'll be able to watch everything they did. So they have slides uh, where, where they they talk about the scale and like some people are you know starting off with Swarm and then moving maybe to Mesos and Kubernetes and, and there's slides out there. So you should look at the slides and see how people have different criteria for which ones they're choosing. And, and, and there was a lot of them in the, in the presentations.
2: Yeah, that that's the. I'm I'm surprised how fast they're chewing through it. You know, we had uh w- we brought in VMS our very own Melissa Palmer uh and Andrew and and did our container show um probably about 2 months ago now. And and at that time I coined a terrible term that that never should have been uttered and has done more damage than good than it'll ever do and that is the V center of docker. <laughs> um but but the point is basically, you know, the a big large portion of of VMware's success is the fact that you know, when you say VMware, you're really saying you know, what a lot of people hear is Virtual Center and ESX. You know that they make a ton of products, but but there's that ubiquity, or ubiquity, whatever that word is, um, where where it's just assumed and and it's a safe assumption. That's not there for Docker. It's not even close. It's not even there for containers. There's not even understanding like, okay, so we've got Docker and Docker Run can manage Linux and Windows containers somehow. But the whole Windows container thing is that's still an entirely separate argument with, with some people off to the side. Like, well, it's not a real container. It doesn't have C groups. What's this registry nonsense? How are you putting a kernel inside a kernel? And then there are the other people who look at it and say it doesn't matter. The administrative experience is the same. It's a container. you know. the, the I think that settling is going to have to occur before this thing is going to move past the adoption phase and into, like, take-off phase, whatever you want to
4: call it. Right. I mean, at a high level, you you know, Docker in both cases, Windows and Linux, is about, you know, abstracting your application and giving you a, a vehicle by which you can run your application on your laptop and in production easily, right? So you solve the works on my machine problem in theory. Now, when you go beyond just one container and you start having a multiple containers stitched together to form a complex application, right, like a, a third platform, multi, you know, microservices, gigantic app... Not really, not gigantic. You're this point of microservices, but you know, a stitched together, container containerized application stack. That's where the you start having to have these growing problems of which which um, orchestrator do I choose? You know, and, and the broader ecosystem, who's going to win? But at least getting started, it's, re- it's you know, it's really easy to get going and, and yeah. to to evolve your application. Yeah,
1: the the way I usually describe Docker is, you know, it's first and foremost, it's a different way of packaging applications. Right? Containers are just a new way of deploying an application, and really, they're not even new. And even if you ignore things like microservices, which let's be honest, microservices are just a new trendy name for the service-oriented architecture paradigm. Yep. Um, you know, it's it's not it's not that complex. And you know, uh, Glenn, you were there at the uh, the inform and delight I did at uh, at at Insight, and it's one of those things where you know if you're an operations person it's nothing to be scared of. There's still applications. You know, if your application is using or if you're familiar with the service-oriented architecture, guess what? You're just simplifying the deployment. right? If you're not using it, well, guess what? You're just simplifying the deployment. It's not that complex.
2: Yeah, yeah. I- Part of me wonders, dude, how much of this confusion just comes down to, but I like it complex because I make a lot of money and drive a BMW. <laughs> right, right.
3: Well, the, where there is complexity is maybe in terms of things like scale, right? The way that you think about scale today is you think about VM granularity when you think of an infrastructure provider, right? Or yeah. anybody who's selling some, even storage companies that are selling, they're focusing on VM as a thing. Well, if you start focusing on containers as the thing... <laughs> Then you're talking about orders of magnitude different difference in terms of the number of objects you need to deal with, and of course, microservices has been around for a while. But I believe that this this paradigm shift to containers actually makes it feasible, right? I mean, feasible yes. for everybody. Yeah. In terms of you know, if you had to deal with do it with VMs, you could do it. In fact, you know. There are people that have done it that yeah. way, right? Right? Like I think Netflix does. It started off doing it that way. Maybe they still do some any, of it something that way. Any app in AWS today mm-hmm. is doing it that way. Right? Those are all VMs. Yeah, and you can do that. It's just that the the, the timing and all, all of the all of the uh, infrastructure problems that can crop up as a result that you got to deal with, you know, go away with containers. It just makes it a lot more easy. So I, I I think that suddenly we have a platform now to actually start building those applications on top of. But like you said. There's a lot of different definitions of how that is done. So you talk about Swarm, and they're building a, If you build a microservices application with Swarm, you could do it with Compose. If you want to build a, a microservices application that runs in Kubernetes, you do it with uh, their pods implementation, right? Yeah. You, you do it with Marathon, they have their JSON files that do that. So there's all these different ways to define that. And so if you want to move from right now, let's say a microservices application on one to the other, you got to redefine how it's put together, right? I, I think
0: part of the complexity is that you have to be creative now. Mm. You have to be creative in how you deploy it, how you design it. Before, you could just stand up a VM and say, have at it. Now it's like, how do I streamline this? How do I orchestrate this? How do I make it more automated? And how am I going to make that all work with whatever platform I'm using? And I think that you have to be really creative in the ways you, you implement Docker and all sorts of other container technologies, because that's, that's where the challenge, I think, is coming in. I think that's really what's scaring people. They have to think outside of their normal, everyday box.
1: So I, I would argue that it's not changing at all right the complexity is there both before and after it's just where is it at and so before when we're talking about scaling at the virtual machine level we have tools like ansible salt puppet chef that all do that configuration for us right so you you create your application and you create an rpm or you check it into git or whatever it happens to be and then you you go into you know your your configuration management tool and say okay redeploy and it goes in and it redeploys the virtual machines and pulls the code down and installs the application and sets everything up, and then you're ready to go, right? With containers, the application is now self-contained. It's much easier to deploy, and that scaling, right, that, okay, redeploy is now handled at the orchestrator level, right, whether it's Swarm, Kubernetes, whatever it happens to be. So it's still there. It just moves.
2: Yeah, I think that that, that movement, though, is a result of the fact that you've, you 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 said it right. We have tools that can do this today using existing you know VMs, and there's there's too many of them to actually name. It's it's actually still a highly competitive space, uh, with with new competitors entering all the time. Um, but with containers, the deployment action has been simplified to such an extreme that it's just like it's almost like cloning inside did on tap. Right? It's so simple. It's so fast and easy. It's almost free. That, that we skip over that use case and we go right to the next one that consumes the clone, right? Because the clone itself is simple. The c- containers do the same thing from an infrastructure uh, scale and automation perspective. But th- having said that, I think we don't do far too many things as an industry because of will it scale? Like scale is a problem that is easily solved with, with, with success, Step one is make it work and get successful. And then <laughs> then you worry about scaling. Pre-optimizing for scale is just spending a lot of time, you know, just Yagni, right? You're not going to need it.
3: Yeah, in fact, that's Docker's approach, I would say, is that they're actually optimizing first for functionality. Yep. And now they're focusing on security as well, and we talked a lot about that, or a little bit about that. I think uh, there there was the whole uh, Project Nautilus discussion about yeah. how they're doing, you know, scanning of images. The other thing that they announced at the conference uh, was uh, a YubiKey integration with Docker Content Trust. And What that means is uh, they've already they've already been working on Docker Content Trust as a way to uh, prove that you are as you are the author of an image, right? Uh, it, but right now it requires, yeah, you know, basically. Public-private key technology, right, and you're, still, you're and, and you're dealing with that kind of by hand. Uh, what what they're doing with YubiKey Key is interesting. That they're trying to uh, solve two problems. One, some of the human error aspects of dealing with that, right? Um, yeah. The other thing is that uh, the fact is that private keys don't always stay private, right? Um, there's a lot of examples of people accidentally. Pushing their keys to GitHub or, or or just sharing them in general, and then there's all sorts of bots out there that are scanning for these things all the time, so they can immediately take advantage of whatever resources that controls. Yep. Right. So Docker acknowledges that, and so they worked with uh, with with the UB Key folks uh, to come up with a hardware key integration that basically allows them to have a root key that they keep more secure. That. Allows them to to lose the keys that they would hand to a developer that's in charge of an image and still deal with that problem in a in a, in a reasonable way without having to basically you know create the company and start a new, <laughs> which is <laughs> in, in a lot of cases today is is, is kind of the the threat of uh, of, dealing, of losing the key.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Like you know we're, we're, this 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 actually isn't fud. This truly is a tale of that happened.
0: Know, I mean that happened in multiple yeah.
2: times. This has happened where where you lose a tiny encryption key or somebody accidentally posts the credential to a cloud portal, and, and there are not, ha, ha, not ha, nice... I deleted your stuff. Yeah, and they're out of business, man. Yeah. You don't come back from that. No, you don't. But let's end on a happy note, gentlemen. Uh, yeah, that there, was kind for, of a bummer. For, for DockerCon <laughs> itself, this is, I, I, I like playing this exercise and, and not actually giving any heads up, because <laughs> yeah I love the panic that comes on people's faces <laughs> when you ask this question, but... Uh, give me one word that summarizes Dockercon darker Barcelona for you. One word. One word. Uh, just one. This is like extreme Twitter. Explain an entire week in a, one in a character or
4: less. <laughs> trying to think of Spanish for amazing or
3: <laughs>
4: two words. Muy bueno. Or muy bueno. Okay. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing.
3: I would say intoxicating <laughs> for <laughs> multiple reasons. <Yeah. laughs> ah, okay. I see what you did there. I
2: see what you did there. Um, uh, real quick, uh, we're running a little bit long here, but but uh, you guys didn't fly home immediately after DockerCon. Uh, as I under- understand it, our friends at ClusterHQ were holding an event the day after. Uh, can can you give us a little information about what what, what happened there?
3: Yeah, sure. So they actually hosted a con- what they called the Container Data Summit uh, the day after DockerCon, with using the uh, the Barcelona meetup as the way to organize it. And uh, so they generously asked us if. Uh, if we would be willing to participate. And so we actually had our very own Jared Hocut, who had just uh, given a presentation at DockerCon itself on how to build your own private registry based on the same methodology that we're using internally to build our own. Uh, he, he gave that same talk at the Container Data Summit, which I thought was uh, fantastic. He did a great job, and uh, in fact, lots of people we realized through these talks are going through that exercise right this minute, trying to figure out how do I put together a scalable registry? Because most companies, even of a smaller size, a much smaller size than ours, have more than one site to deal with or have at least have to scale up beyond one registry for some reason. And so we've kind of given a framework for how we've done that and how you could do that, and it's been a very exciting thing to talk about. Um, On top of that, I was part of a panel talking about persistent data and storage we didn't talk about that much in the podcast but we have talked about it previously and uh the the just to touch lightly on that i think uh our friends at cluster hq have some really cool ideas uh luke and others that we've uh, been talking to oh yeah and uh deval look, look take, take, a, take a look at that check it out it's an open source project uh, they just they just put out there that kind of shows how uh we might be able to start looking at uh, data management the way we talk about it here, but more focused on developers and, and their and their workflows. I think is pretty cool. Um, the other thing is that, yeah. In, in addition to the in, in addition to devols, we actually discussed on the panel how uh, we thought persistent storage was going to evolve or needed to evolve, and we all agreed. Everybody ever on the panel, of course, we're all storage people, but um, we all agreed that that was the place where there was the most to say about the evolution of that was the place where there was the most that needed to be discussed in terms of how does that, how is that going to evolve in the same way networking and compute and all the other layers had evolved in Docker already were on the way to, to evolve because it's, it's, it's the most nascent piece of it. Docker themselves admitted that in their own presentations yeah. where they, they, they're, they're acknowledging now, which is excellent. The importance of stateful applications and state, the, the stateful needs of their applications that are going to run in containers. Uh, but, but, Nobody has the silver bullet on that one yet. And so we're all working together to try to figure that out.
2: Well, that, and, and that's the thing like that, that I think the listeners, or at least that's my takeaway, right? And, and that's the takeaway that I would encourage the listeners to have. That's, you know, okay, so containers are this thing and Docker was this thing and there's this big wave and all these people are super interested. We got guys like Rippy who literally was just running around NetApp just like, have you seen this? Come, come look at my laptop. You have to check this out. This is amazing you know that swell is occurring and and there are people on the outside and you know analysts and just people like myself who are interested in the technology even though it's not directly part of their day-to-day life yet who look at that and go well yeah but that's all like platform three that stuff uses like object store it doesn't use posix there is no persistence when it does the app layers handle that and and I think if you were to create a PowerPoint slide that explained the difference between like how we used to do things and how some of these new systems work, that is how you how you paint it. But the truth is always somewhere in the middle, right? Like the the I think these two extremes of scale out versus scale up and platform two and platform three. The reality is, I personally think there's like a two and a half where we smash these two worlds together and we keep some of the great things about what we have. Like for instance, some of the there are some data sets where it just makes more sense to have a storage engine underneath that can protect the data. You don't always want the application developer to have to constantly worry about, like, okay, how am I going to protect this? You know, what happens if this container dies? Do I lose that transaction or that state? Um, so so that, that I'm totally with you, Garrett. I think that's the next big push, and it's time for us to get into those conversations. Right.
3: Yeah, you're right. I mean, in fact... There are applications, if you look at the the applications that are getting deployed today as containers, they give us data, which is great, you know, about what people are pulling down from the public hub. I would say that tw- at least 25% of the containers that in the top 10 have persistent data requirements. MySQL, Postgres, all these kinds of things, right? These are not MongoDB, these are not Cassandra, these are not things that technically i wouldn't even say aren't stateful because they have state it's just not stored in the same way that we would traditionally talk about um, those requirements are there because people are trying to use those applications today yeah right it 's just that those aren 't the sexy ones that people are talking about those are the ones that are actually getting the job done right and so I think that there's definitely even if we do nothing to evolve how the third platform thinks about storage and how that's relevant for acid consistency and things like that. There's already something that needs to be said, a lot of something that needs to be said in how existing applications use data and how they need to be able to use data with containers. Um, but that said, there are, there are use cases for that the, the people, people, people use things like Cassandra and whatnot for that you have to wonder if, if, if they're not consistent at the end of the day. There are certain use cases where that's okay. There are certain use cases where that is not Okay. Right. And so um, people are also feeling it. You know, there's lots of things about buzz and, and choosing. the, But there's, there's also a lot to be said about choosing the right tool for the task at hand. And I think people are also starting to figure that out as well.
4: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And uh, just real quick on your, two, your 2.5. Platform, um, you know, there's no. I mean, people that have containers right now that have database needs and they haven't containerized their container. I mean, it, so it's just worth saying. I mean, clearly you can still use a VM or bare metal for that. For that, and NetApp has products that work there, like Manager Oracle and other integrations with those, um, you know, stateful applications. So it could be you know as it, a bridge from one world to the other.
3: Right. And just tacking onto that real quick, the beauty of actually containerizing an application that is like that is that you get the platform independence. That you don't get with virtual machines by themselves, right? Yeah, a virtual machine is independent because you can probably convert that VM from a Hyper V1 to a VMware one to a. Only only because you happen to have NetApp storage, though. Exactly, yeah. You know, there's there's tricks. Yeah. Shift and there's converters, right, from all these different things that take forever, but Shift is awesome. Yeah. But uh, yeah, even without those two things, though, I mean, in, in, but who wants to do that? that? That's not a way that you move an application from one place to another. That's yeah. that's that's a ton of friction. You know, this is no friction. So that's even by itself is a is a huge value add.
2: Well, let's see what haven't we talked about? I'm going through my notes, seeing. Uh, oh, I, I missed something. <laughs> um, Rippy, you said we had a booth. We did. We it was, did. It
4: was great. You worked a booth. I did. How what was? How, how'd you like that? It was awesome. It was um, several people in the team: uh, me, Garrett, Brian, Kaslan, and Jared. And um, we had videos going, and we had uh, a lab that people could connect to, and they could see our uh, demos of the some proof of concepts that we put together, and also you know ways you could already use NetApp right now.
2: Can Can you share a, uh, a couple of those? Yeah. Uh, you know, kind of. What you were showing, and then also I'd be interested in what, what caught people's attention. What demo did you show, and you'd have, you know, you know more, more often than not, they'd go, wait, how does that work, or is that real? Show me the code.
4: Yeah, so we, um, we had uh, four or five demos. I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah, I think four. four, four we had four demos. One was about um, demonstrating what Jared gave his talk about, which was a, a distributed registry, where when you, if you um, push your image to one site, it gets replicated around the world, and then your other sites can pull it down. And you don't have to worry about doing the replication. It just automatically happens with our SnapMirror setup. Another demo that we had was um, demonstrating um, our our Flocker native driver. And uh, we actually had that in a lab, too. So if people wanted to play with that, they could, they could actually spin up um, a lab with um, a VSIM, and they could actually use it on the covers. And our Flocker native driver is uh, some Python code that is a plugin into Flocker, such that as you go to start a container, Flocker will request to its plugins, its storage plugin uh, partners, to create the storage for them. So you start the, you go to start the container, Flocker then talks to us and says, please create some storage for this. And then we go off and create a line and mount it um, and map it. And then if you need to move that container from one host to another, it handles the detaching and attaching on another host so if the data isn't copied which is important it's just um attached and reattached on another host Now, there, you know the the application is shut down and restarted on the other on the other machine so it's not like a uh vmotion storage vmotion concept but it is um it is useful and you know they have customers that are using it
2: yeah that's that's the main reason i use my you know kill the puppy and grow a no, new one analogy because yeah. you're 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 not fixing what you've got yeah. you're just literally it's it's like pretending that other thing never occurred yeah Move the data over here, and look—you're healthy again. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, magic.
4: Um, another one we demoed. Um, See, so we had two more. We had one that was a uh, MongoDB that demonstrated our ability to uh, to create clones of MongoDB and um, uh, take a snapshot of a MongoDB instance that was running. From the snapshot, create a clone, and then uh, spin up the clone very rapidly. Yeah, because our snapshot and clone technology is amazing, and. As excited as I am about Docker, I am also as excited about our snapshots and clones, which is why I joined the company originally. And I, I still have that passion for what we do. It's very enabling to developers and, and, and to operations and to administrators. It, it's just magic. Um, and one one awesome thing about working in the booth was we got to see a lot of customers that came up that didn't even know we were going to be there. You know, I guess they didn't need the alerts or whatever. But um, they came up, and you know, customer after customer just telling us, you know how excited they are being NetApp, with NetApp. The the, the one I got the most questions about, which i was saying for last, was we did um, we have a proof of concept of an integration with Snap Creator. Oh, I've seen this demo. Yeah, oh, buddy, you, I love it. Yeah, you've probably seen the demo, and uh, Sully's blogged about it. Yep. And um, what we what we do is um, in this proof of concept, we we go off and we do discovery of your storage topology. So we figure out all of the um, NAS and SAN objects that you have. We then, on each host that's running a Docker daemon, we can look and see what's mounted, and then we can cross-correlate that with what containers are running. With all that in hand, we can actually automatically create a Snap Creator configuration for you for your um, application. So in the proof of concept, we do it for MySQL, but it could be extended for other applications. And we automatically create a configuration inside Snap Creator, which you can then go click and do uh, backup or clone or you know, for each application. Yeah, or use its API. Yeah, yeah, you can you can use its UI or its CLI, or it also has an API as well. Yeah, the the thing that I love about that demo,
2: you know, the, and this to me, this goes back to that whole DevOps versus Ops Dev conversation. Yeah, I love the fact that that completely removes the administrative burden of the solution. You know, just you deploy whenever you deploy, and you deploy as many as you need to deploy, and and the backup guy and, and the per, or the person responsible with with that job function that swim that swim lane. It just pops in their console. They log in, and it's like, where do all these Mongo instances come from? Oh, well. Are they protected? Yes. All right, we're good. Yeah. Close the console. And go back to work.
4: Yeah, I should mention, I forgot to say that, that um, Docker has uh, the ability to inspect the containers that are running. They also have the ability to subscribe to an event stream, and uh, the proof-of-concept demo that we're showing in the lab that we had that people could interact with, it registers for um, events, and as containers are stopped and start started, um, you can be notified via push or pull And uh, we actually, at startup, we look for all the ones that are already running. We protect, we add those into Snap Creator, and then as a new container is being launched, we can we are immediately notified, so we can auto protect it as it's starting.
0: And, yeah. th- and this is the piece that where we actually ensure cons- consistency of the actual container because we do a pause, right? We pause it, we take the snapshot, then we move on. Is that is that what I'm understanding is happening?
4: Snap Creator itself ha- is a framework mm-hmm. that has plugins, right? So Snap Creator has plugins for doing application consistent backups. So they have one for MySQL, they have a community supported one for MongoDB, they have several different plugins, and okay. they have the ability for people to write their own. Um, so uh, yeah, in the in the demo, we're deferring to the existing MySQL um, plugin. And it understands how to put the database into like a, in the Oracle terms of a hot backup mode.
2: Ah, okay. So, so it's an
4: application consistent. system. We're not actually touching the container at all.
2: Which, which by the way, is the other reason why I absolutely love that demo because it it helps communicate this 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 you know fact, right? Okay, so you, you think you're not ready for this jump? Well, let me. I'm about to prove to you that you're wrong, <laughs> and yeah. you don't even know it. Yeah. Do you have MySQL running somewhere inside your organization? Oh, you do. Of course you do, because yeah. everyone does, right? Well, there you go, there's your candidate. And, and look, all the data protection investments and all the plug-in investments, all of that stays the same. The only thing that changes is how you physically build the instance. That changes. Everything else is the same. Uh, it's, it's very, very powerful in my opinion.
3: One big thing, like a big takeaway from the conference was uh, from talking to the customers that have our data center solution, uh, many of them were completely unaware of our software solutions. Mm. both storage grid and cluster data on tap, or I'm sorry, cloud, cloud on tap. So the conversation with them would end. They thought relatively quickly because they go, well, yeah, you know, we'll figure out how to stitch this in. Cause it sounds like you guys are doing some great work. We'll go ahead and plug this in as soon as we start to bring these solutions on premise. And it's great that you guys are here and everything, but you know, a lot of the stuff we're doing right now is in the cloud and you guys can't help us. And they're like, wait a minute. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> Assumption are you made. You sure? <laughs> yeah.
3: Are you sure? Do you know about Cloud ONTAP? Do you yeah. know about Storage Grid and the ability to run in, in AWS and Azure and things like that? And by and large, they didn't know about that. As soon as we start talking about that, and this is for people that work at NetApp especially, you know, start talking about that, especially if you're talking to people that are looking at containers, because when they become aware of what we can do from a storage perspective and the fact that they can get their hands on it without buying a piece of hardware... Just to try it out, that's a very, very big, powerful story that we were that we've talked about time and again while we were there.
0: Well, it changes the narrative because the the common narrative now is we're on tap only, right? Oh, all you guys do is on tap. That's that's a lie. We mm-hmm. do a lot more than on tap. We do, like you said, cloud on tap. We do storage grid. We do all the management utilities, the backup utilities, and then we have a, you know a plethora of other things that we're doing that you know either are in the works or are already out there. So the less we talk about them, the less people know about them. Mm-hmm. So we definitely need to talk about these things.
2: Andrew, you've been kind of quiet, buddy. Uh, wh- wh- what else do we need to uh, bring up here? What have we forgotten about? I'm sure we missed something. Uh,
1: you know, no, I, I, I was deliberately kind of quiet on this one because, you know, those guys were there, and, you know, they're the ones who are doing a lot of work. Um, you know, I, I I talk, you know, when I go to conferences and I, I meet with the devs and I meet with our marketing people and all that, and, you know, my, I, always, I always like to take the opportunity to say, to say thank you to those guys because... You know, you know right? we're, we're TMEs, right? We rely really heavily on the things that those guys are doing, um, whether it's the engineering side or the marketing side. And, you know, the, I'm really happy that they got to go to Barcelona and had a great time, learned a lot of stuff, made a lot of connections, met a lot of customers, got to see that, you know, hey, this stuff that we're doing really is, uh, one, awesome, and two, people are really interested in it. So you know, I'm I'm really happy, and you know, I, I really wanted this one to be all about uh, you guys, you know, Garrett and Rippy, and the rest of the team as well. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I did some work on the background, right? You can uh, you can see on netapp.github.io some of the blog posts that we put up. Um, so we're going to be publishing over the next few days uh, some more blog posts and videos and all kinds of other stuff from the uh, content that we were showing there. And uh, you know, I, I also want to say, you know, thanks. From my perspective, um, you know, our, our program manager, Vanessa Ambrosecchia, she she was a huge, huge help uh, in getting everything set up. Uh, literally, I don't think that this show could have happened without her. So she uh, she deserves, you know, huge recognition for that. And uh, also in our events marketing team, Melissa Magrin, uh she helped me tremendously in figuring out how all this stuff works because I am not an events person. Uh, I'm, I'm a type and talk type of person. So it's thank
0: you both very, very so. much. You, you, yeah. you looked like an events person.
1: No, not at all. I, I barely <laughs> can get myself into work uh, you know, in a coordinated fashion most days, much less put together an event. So
3: One could say that is an event. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't help it. Fair enough, fair enough. All right, that
0: music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netup.com or send us a tweet at netup. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you liked the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech TechOnTap Podcast team, I'd like to thank Garrett Mueller and Jonathan Rippy for joining us this week. As always, thanks for listening. How was that? Is that, that good? Yeah. You guys good? Yeah. Everyone good? I'm oh, we good. We're good. Should I, time. I should just make that a container. Yeah, you should. Just you something can't. I just play. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that every would, time. if we could docker run entro- ending. Yes, docker run outro. Yeah, docker run intro. We we, we we could cut like could 20 minutes off is this is process we do this every week.
0: I could play it on his watch. Yeah. oh yeah I love this process improvement yeah. here. know yeah. hey, Kaizen. Continuous Innov- Innov- <laughs> <newest> process improvement. <laughs> Just great. Innovating. Innovating yeah. constantly on the podcast. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. All right.